My guest of the day is a man of many talents, designer and uh, a few other things you will find out. Arjun Khanna, good to see you. How are you good doing? Good to see you too. Fantastic to be here finally. Eh? Thank you for and driving down from Pune. And <laughs> congratulations on your new studio. On the new studio, yeah. <laughs> Arjun, it fascinates me that you're not only a fashion designer, you have so many allied interests. You know, your classic bikes, for example, the antiques in your store, your work in, in interior design. My logical question is go back a few decades what did the kid arjun in high school want to do <laughs> that's a tricky one god i don't know where to begin but i think the young arjun in college or in school wanted to become an air force pilot wow and my fascination was just to fly a mig and i was just dying to become a fighter pilot and then with my grandfather he was a squadron leader in the air force and then my entire sort of mom side of the family were all ex army and ex air force they put the fear of god into me saying that boss you can't take let your son get into the army or anyway close to this flying deal that he wants to do and the closest i did that was with ncc and i used to fly those model planes and that was it but yeah at that time it was just that i mean i was just obsessed by becoming a then of course top gun came and then he was my fascination it's unbelievable you referenced top gun because here's another top gun so many years down the line they didn't do a sequel to it yeah till year 2022 and there seems to be a whole new generation of kids who want to get into those flying machines and go up in the air i mean it's what i'd call the effect of popular culture in hollywood i think it's the effect of instagram yeah and the effect of digital and social media this is social but to media, be fair i mean the guy is like outdone himself i mean what they did and how they produced it it was a chocolate box iconic movie in those years yep. and he's made a comeback even bigger and he's looking even cooler so i think it's still iconic the fashion is really cool and every young kid wants to look like a macho tom cruise so i think that's what's doing it so there's a new denim collection that's out i've been checking out some pictures on instagram it's not your regular denim that i'm wearing for example yeah How do you approach denim? I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, in some ways, denim is timeless, but the other end of the spectrum, there was a brief phase when people said denim was out. So, how does brand Arjun Khanna approach denim? So, denim, as far as I'm concerned, is my most favorite textile as far back as I can remember, and denim originates, I think, over. 500 years before I originated it's here to stay it's always been denim has never been out it may have been sort of out of style or out of fashion in terms of silhouettes but denim as a textile has always been there it's it's one of the most versatile fabrics you can imagine with my love and fascination for it i got into collecting denim initially from vintage levi's vintage lee vintage wrangler and then i got into recycling and upcycling old jackets old denim and there emerged collections after collections so that's now become a big chunk of my entire industry and i've launched two big collections with denim and using that sort of fabric and are we talking just jeans and shirts and jackets or are you also doing bags and you know other accessories with denim so i'm doing everything whatever i mean nothing goes to waste from a jacket to a skirt to a blazer right down to a bag the last fragment will become a pencil case or a little pouch so that's something in the last i mean it's something that's been very strong and i feel very strongly about is sustainability and slow fashion nothing at our studio goes to waste so the last chindi that falls on the ground becomes something all become a patch and i can do that beautifully with denim i mean no other fabric allows me to do that or is that versatile your store has become a bit of a of a heritage spot if i could call it that wow that's only because of the antiques and the curios you've collected over the sands of time are they up for sale or are they just pure passion projects talk about that so the store is i mean every store of mine has been 
well, I, let me put it bluntly. It's a bit of a bat cave or it's a bit of a man cave. <laughs> I've always been surrounded by stuff that I love. And I love everything beyond clothing. Whether it's toys, whether it's comic books, whether it's antique suitcases, old cameras, textiles, costume, furniture. Sorry to interrupt. I saw an old sewing machine. <laughs> Absolutely. So anything, anything and everything. I mean, I'm the local kabardwala or the bangarwala in my family. I've just told everybody never throw anything away. I mean, I will make it into some art form and I just love the shirt design and the history of something that I wasn't part of. And that's just become a thing with me. So every store has a unique look and this one per se, I think is one of my favorite little sort of man caves or bat caves I put together as a backdrop to my clothing. Wonderful. And you know, thank heavens, COVID was a nightmare for all of us, in particular you, I imagine, because I saw you spending some time with a lovely red or was it a bright red or burgundy bangala jacket. You know, weddings are back, some of them bigger than ever before. Is that a priority for you? Is there really a wedding season now? Because people seem, you know, back in the day it used to be about, oh, you know, people want to get married from September to December, but it just has gone out through the window, so hasn't it? People strong, are getting mar yeah, married all through the year. You, strong point you raised. I mean, wedding season is something that every single designer or Indian designer waits or thrives on. It's our mainstay. Having said that, you made a reference to COVID. I think it was the most trying two and a half years for the world. It brought many of us to our knees, literally, in many ways, in different ways. But with me as a designer or somebody who's into art, I think it was one of the most creative times in my life. Those two and a half years of COVID and the lockdown and then the second lockdown, I think it gave me a complete new perspective of how to sort of reapproach or reinvent my art form. Bikes and the passion is only one sort of angle or segment of the entire game. But within my own industry, Shadi is one big chunk, of course, with bangalas and sherwanis. I got into denim, I got into bags, I got into sort of recycled clothing, upcycled clothing, knitwear, which I would never have normally done if there wasn't a COVID or wasn't the lockdown or that time to just sit back and think and sort of realign everything that you stood for or stand for. And I kind of have this revolution in my stomach. I think every four years is like a catharsis. And I think that's the best thing that happened is... I mean, not that COVID happened, but the fact that we went through what we went through. You know, I met Masaba day before yesterday. We were having a chat. Of course, it was supposed to be about her acting career and season two of her show. Mm. I couldn't help but digress to fashion. And I asked mm. her this and she said one of the biggest learnings for her was the online business. Because she was forced to actually study that right. with the help of friends and, you know, well-wishers and things like that. Wait, stand as far as that is concerned. I mean, you've been around for a while. So you're still old school enough to say, I like the touch and feel experience, the brick and mortar experience. Or have you gone online with a vengeance is my question to you. So great point. Very strong. I mean, I'm still honestly battling with the entire digital world. I am old school. I love old school and that's the only way I know. But having said that, I'm also online. We managed to get ourselves online. I'm not completely adept with the whole game because higher-end clothing or at least the kind of clothing that I do needs that touch, feel, the fit. And for me, the beauty is fitting different body types, which you cannot do online. So you need to restructure and change the kind of model or the kind of garment that you're selling online, which is size, color. Basically, the kind of structure that you're putting online is a very different deal. So for us guys, I'm still battling with the game. But yes, it's the way to go. Great. Incidentally, all of you still are old school and like the brick and mortar experience. This wonderful part store, part museum 
that Arjun is talking about is in the Kalagoda area, in right? Kalagoda. Where exactly is it? Somewhere so in the Kalagoda ka cafe. So you know the cafe, same building, second floor. Second floor, same building as the Just cafe. Just diagonally across the synagogue. Okay, diagonally across the synagogue. You should go and pay them a visit, take a look around, and see these wonderful antiques, curios, and of course his wonderful clothes. Let's come to the motorcycles now. I mean, how long is? I mean, have you ridden for as long as you remember, or was it well, a? Pretty some much. Some people, I don't know. It's strange. This Baba in my building, Surab, is a pilot. And he says, the older he gets, the more he wants to get on a bike. The more, the more passionate <laughs> you get. <laughs> so, I is mean, that true for you? People have mistaken me for being a garage mechanic more than a designer. They said that seems to be your first love. But actually, it is a complete fascination, passion. I just love putting. For me, it's more putting the machine back together, and therefore the love of vintage machines. And I just love that design. I mean, quite simply. Put. So, how many bikes at last count? I mean, do you have to build yourself a garage and multiple layers of stories? It's not an easy thing in Bombay. Yeah? So, it's not. Or so is it in Pune? Or are Pune, they in Pune? The bikes. I mean, Pune allows me to ride much more. Yeah. The roads are nicer. There's a little space in Pune compared to Bombay. I don't get much chance riding in the city. I don't enjoy riding in the city. Most of my most beautiful rides have been outside of the city. Our country has just the most stunning vistas, mountains. I mean, my favorite part of the country is Ladakh. I did that last year. I did that year before last. I think that's. The most humbling experience any rider. When you can say have. I did that, sorry to interrupt. From where to where do you go in Ladakh? So the example? last one I did, I flew into Ladakh and I rode within Ladakh and I did a complete monastery trail. Ladakh has over 350 monasteries to actually go and visit, and they're one more gorgeous than the other. So I did a bit of that. I've covered now, I think, about 25 monasteries out of 350 odd, and there's still so many to go. And the countryside is stark, isn't It's it? It's just yeah. stunning. It is the most stunning and humbling part of. The planet, I would say, and if you're a rider, I mean that's one place you need to go to and ride. Okay, if you want to follow them on Instagram, it's Arjun Khanna Official. That's at Arjun Khanna Official. There's also a website. It's ArjunKhanna dot com. Dub 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 dot ArjunKhanna dot com. And like we just told you, it's above Kalagora Cafe. It's actually called Rope Walk Lane. That's where the Arjun Khanna store is. So you said it's not the number of motorcycles; it's the types, yeah, or the memory associated with Absolutely. putting them together. And how I got some. So of talk them. to them like the actor John Abraham calls them his babies. Yeah, they are, they are. <laughs> I, I totally get his point. Uh, so which are the ones that you put together that really remain memorable? I have a 1930s Norton. It's a 16H, a Triumph. 16H would be 16 horsepower. 16H is the model number. Model number. And this was built for the for the army and. That's somehow the fondest or the oldest memory. I mean, they all have a fantastic memory to them. But this one particularly, it has no suspension. It's a rigid frame, and I put this machine together. I actually got this machine in a gunny bag from an antique dealer, who's one of my furniture guys, who came and said, "Sir, you have to get it." I said, "Absolutely." And I looked in there and I said, "Bloody hell, this is an entire bike, and I'm going to put this together." It took me about six months, and I put this machine together. And then I said, "I need to ride it." In those days, I used to live in Goa, and I put this machine together, and I rode off to Goa, and I've done that. Road trip numerous times on other bikes or in a car, and I said max. I mean, twelve hours, eight hours, nine hours. It took me twenty-four odd hours to get into Goa. I reached there, and it was the most blissful experience. Rishi, when I got in, I had a shower, I had a drink, and I crashed out. I went to sleep for two days. I didn't get up. Wow. That's how tiring, but that's how excited I was to ride that machine into Goa from Bombay. So that I would say is the most memorable 
rides have had and on an it, old bike. On an old bike. Where do you stand with the old Indian faithfuls? Java, the Enfield. <laughs> <laughs> so the closest to my heart is actually a Royal Enfield. The SD also. And yeah. the SD and the Java. But Royal Enfield is very, very... I'm passionate about the whole trip. I mean, I learned how to ride on a Royal Enfield, on a bullet, as we all fondly call it. And I actually have... I'm lucky to have a 1948... Also, again, sort of completely redone and revamped by me in the stable. But yeah, it's a Royal Enfield. So I know that uh, Hormas and the good people at Autocar Magazine do this vintage car rally. Yeah. Is there anything like that for bikes? Yes. I mean, I know this bike week happens that Martin and guys put together. Also, also. But is there a vintage bike rally? Very much and very strong. And uh, there's a huge bike section as part of the whole car rally section. Oh, wow. And it's very strong. And we have a huge cult in our country of just collectors from biking to scooters to, I don't know, old Javas, old Yesdis. So you right see the old Vespas, Vespas and Lambrettas. I mean, I'm a fiend with a Lambretta or a Vespa <laughs> as well. I mean, that's what I enjoy riding in the city, strangely. What about the so-called, the cooler ones like the Harleys and the BSAs and the Triumphs? So I, I like that as well. <laughs> I like, well, I mean, I'm a biker. I love the smell and the grit and the grime with the whole deal. I just love the whole dressing for it and the gear that goes into it. Yeah, so I enjoy the Harley as well. I have, a, I think, a 42 WLA which is again a World War II, which is a hand gear wow. machine. Again, that's another machine that I put together. So the fun of these and the passion is that I've been able to actually put these machines together from complete scratch. And a lot of machines were given up on when I said, listen, let me take this over. And you have a workshop with your tools where you go at it, yeah? It's not a professional workshop. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's my own little hobby game. I mean, I have all the tools that are needed. And then I've got mechanics who'll do the engine work to the rescue. And then for stuff like paint and stuff, it'll go out. And it's not so much about the speed, isn't it? I mean, no, it's, it's more a, about the experience. I'm not a speed demon. It's it's yeah. more the, yeah, the, it's the experience. I mean, it's the wind in your face. and Yeah, you know, because you're the real deal. But it's almost become a fad these days to be part of biker clubs and say, oh, you know, I'm going from Falani place to Falani place, from here to there and things like that. How do you feel about bike club culture? I'm part of no club. I mean, it's a standing joke amongst all my friends and all my buddies. Who I'm are sure you get invites every month. I'm, I'm in it, yeah, <laughs> with numerous of them. I love riding alone. I ride with the occasional friend. I'm not a groupie. I'm not a guy who'll ride with like 20 guys. And Clubs are great. It's fantastic to exchange notes. I mean, I don't know. They've, they've got their thing going. But I'm a bit of a lone ranger when it comes to riding. And the last trip to Ladakh has made me even sort of more in tune with just nature and at one with I don't know the earth literally and Ladakh again did that to me so you don't have any regular biker buddies who you just bike with I do I mean know. I do tons of them we do a Sunday ride but it's not about the ride it's about getting to Chai and Vada Pao and Pune or an old Irani restaurant or just like hanging somewhere so it's not just the ride so much it's more about meeting doing a breakfast together and then talking about your machines and staring at them like they're these hot looking you know what <laughs> <laughs> and we're just staring at them more than the breakfast yeah for all of you who are listening to two, <laughs> two men talk let this not just be about men and you know what we like and what we don't like I want to bring the conversation back to fashion the denim line has stuff for ladies Absolutely. you've designed so you know I often get accused of yeah. there's not enough fash for ladies that you talk about and things like that of course you know my colleague Erica does a great job right. on that but I'm trying to be a little more diverse and inclusive <laughs> if you know what I mean so the ladies uh, what can the ladies expect from the Arjun Khanna denim collection so that's actually a big one for me it's a big comeback into women's wear and I didn't want to get into women's wear by doing the same lehenga choli and the saris there's, there's too many people in that space and my love and fascination for denim brought me to doing a line and 
it is completely biker influence having said that there's a huge women biker community as well in the country so that crop jackets they're like it's it's just funky streetwear and nice silhouettes i've done lots of hand painted nose art on a lot of these jackets nose art originates from old warplanes and back to the old world war 2 fighter jets and the art that you see on them is actually painted on these jackets it's a fun collection literally that's lovely did you go to ftii the national institute of design any of those places how do you say that FDDI. <laughs> where is that fti uh, no uh, sorry fdci yeah <laughs> so i love it yeah so you know are you formally trained so is my I'm, question to you you know sadly i mean when i wanted to be formally trained mm. which is stayed out of school we only had sophias and sndt in True. india which were both girls colleges and schools so i didn't have a choice but having said that i consider myself extremely lucky i finished at london college of fashion so i studied i finished my fashion schooling in the uk and uh, yes i am trained formally but as a tailor so i branched out after my first year which is a foundation year and i took to men's tailoring and construction of clothing so my first love has always been tailoring and i say today that is the backbone of my industry i mean to be able to understand the construction and the deconstruction of any garment it's very easy to make a good looking or a beautiful garment so if i hadn't had that formal training i don't think i'd maybe i would have learned on the fly or become that mechanic no man and you know in a lot of ways you know fashion has evolved especially you know for somebody like me you know the plus size industry is really burgeoning i mean yeah. there was a time when you'd go out and you'd feel miserable because you'd never get stuff in your size now the, you know there's stuff for everybody absolutely all kinds of body types and absolutely. things like that absolutely which is what i love doing yeah you do yeah it's like fitting different body mm. types I and mean, that's it's very easy to fit a model or a typical size that's on a ramp or off the ramp or the challenge for me as a tailor first is to fit a body type that is odd or awkward and that to me is the most exciting thing in my career that's wonderful let's come to coffee take it from a bombay south indian yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it all stems from south indian filter coffee so you know i'd get the percolator out and you know i grew up seeing my parents make the decoction coming slowly mm. down and then having the morning south indian filter coffee and this and that and somewhere down the line you know life takes over and you can't sit and wait for it to slowly boil over so you get into machines and then you get into americanos and you know espressos and things yeah. like that and you know put the pot in and go coffee i believe is an abiding passion and there's Huge. now an arabica line 100% arabica that's the first blend that i've actually managed to launch but let me just sort of get back to what you described and how you described it isn't it sexual it is it is man what you totally just, yeah yeah how yeah, you yeah, described yeah. the whole ritual and my father still south, does that south, at south 78 so, he still does that he will wake up yeah. he'll sit by the stove reading his newspaper or he will stand by the stove waiting for it to happen so it's a catharsis <laughs> it's that whole ritual that you go through which is the most beautiful thing and then the aromas or the smells or the blends that you can bring in and for me i'm a coffee fiend complete i've always dreamt of getting into making or doing a cafe one day which probably will happen coffee was a natural transition and this is the first of the blends the second one's also out in the next two days that's an 8020 this is 100% arabica i've called it matte black I think it's pretty apt. And when you say 80-20, it's uh, what? It's a Robusta. Robusta. 20% okay. Robusta and a 80% Arabica. But that's a dark roast. Much stronger. You need to try these. I mean, I can't talk about coffee enough. And it's just called Arjun Khanna. It's Arjun Khanna. And I've actually collaborated with a boutique brand who've been awfully kind. I must mention them. They're the coffee grind company who did, I think, easily over a thousand... 
trials and tastings with me to actually come down to this blend of what we finally come out with. And plantation in Kurg? It's in Mysore. And that estate, again, have been awfully patient with me. There's been a hundred back and forths, but they really got it. And I'm really fussy with my coffee. That's and wonderful. We're offering from bean to literally any sort of grind that you'd like. So where can one buy this? Where does it retail? Presently, online. And very soon, Do we, hopefully, Amazon. Is it, is it on the arjunkhana.com or does one Not on my side, but there's a link that sort of one gets into through that. Okay, so you I can go to arjunkhana.com and you can just check it out. There will be some stuff on the coffee and it'll take you there. You said your partners are? The Coffee Grind Company. The Coffee Grind Company. So that's something to latch on to. It's interesting, you know, because I met Anand Mahindra. And he's also gotten into coffee. He calls it Arakku coffee. Yes. So it's wonderful to see, you know, captains of the industry, achievers like yourself. Oh, no, no. I'm nowhere close to And, you know, just being passionate about the coffee bean. And this is the best time for it. Look at the number of coffee shops. And that's one thing that stayed, you know. Coffee shops opened and shut. But the wave of coffee is still there. Absolutely. It's Uh, it's become become boutique now. The whole coffee culture. I mean, however old it goes back, however far it goes back to. It's become almost boutique-like now. So, is there an idea for a museum for the motorcycles? I've wanted to do this for the longest time. (laughs) Yes, it is. Strange you mention it. I will probably do it one day, but it's not only about the motorcycle. I want to bring in the history of motorcycling, the clothing, the motorcycling, clothing that goes into motorcycling. There's a whole fashion angle to motorcycling. And from this, going into scooters, going into cycles, and eventually anything quirky, retro, and vintage. And then hopefully tie this up with a cafe. I buy the fact that, you know, as a kid, your, your grandfather was a squadron leader, was a huge ex- inspiration, and planes and things like that. But when you got into fashion, when you got into tailoring, let's say you went to London to study, was there somebody you looked up to in the world of fashion and said, wow, man, this guy or this lady is just doing amazing stuff? So I think the years that I went into the UK to study, again, the reason I say I consider myself very lucky was you had fashion from street level to haute couture which you don't have today. You had street-level fashion. I mean, my first job was in a place called Top Shop that became Top Man. And then thereafter, I graduated to this band called Cecil G. And I'll tell you who I worked with thereafter. But you had the rockers, you had punks, you had skinheads, you had goth fashion. You had like a hundred different fashionable looks right up to high street fashion and then into haute couture, which is today an almost dead industry. Today, if you went back to the same city of London, you wouldn't see that diversity in fashion. I really consider myself lucky to have been there in the 80s to see and experience fashion to such extreme. I then lucked out and I got my first official big job with Gianni Versace in Bond Street. And he in those days was this big iconic brand for me. Strangely, in the year that I worked for him, I met him twice and all I did was make coffee for him when he'd come and visit. So I think <laughs> I think coffee goes back that far. I never did any fashion. <laughs> I was this glorified pune and I just made coffee for the man. But there was so much that I learned on the streets. I think that's actually the backbone of where I come from. And who else? I mean, then obviously all the great houses and the tailoring brands of Seville Row that actually sort of really excited me. And then the obvious other designers, many for that matter. Today, the whole thing has changed. It's Ralph Lauren and Tom Ford. Yeah. Well, it's surprising you would mention London because, I mean, I love the city. Who doesn't love the city? Absolutely. The culture and everything. But the fashion is boring, man. You go it's there and... It's boring today. You know, the I mean, the I average Brit is wearing the, his greys and his... Absolutely. You know, it's always about not standing out from the yeah, crowd. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what I mean. I mean, fashion today, that's what it's become. Yeah. It's boring. I think we in India are way better off. I mean, you've got a shadi season. Look at the amount of looks that you can do as a designer in one shadi. So that's why we all thrive and wait for the shadi season as Indian designers. But yeah, it's not the same. And you've 
not bitten the pill, the Bollywood pill, as it were. <laughs> don't say that. I'm sure. Please I'm sure don't people, say that. People would have, you know, constantly said, "Why don't you do more Bollywood and this and that?" But it never fascinated you. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't think I'd be fair in saying that Bollywood doesn't fascinate me. I mean, I've enjoyed my share of Bollywood movies as well, but it's not per se designing for Bollywood. I mean, I like designing for the individual. Mm. And the days that I was doing this, scripts were a different ball game. Today, the whole deal and the whole industry is very different. Having said that, I've done lots of clothing for personal stars for their personal wardrobes. But no, I mean, it's not something that I'm going after. If it comes, I'll do it. If it's an exciting something, but so no, I will dress up Ranveer Singh. <laughs> not Ranveer Singh, <laughs> but Ranveer Kapoor. Yeah, <laughs> a nice chap. Yeah. yeah, Ranveer Singh is quite outrageous. Isn't Absolutely, he? I mean, he carries it off, man. Yeah. Oh, he's one man in the industry who pulls off anything. Anything, yeah. And he's become a brand, I mean, in himself, in himself. literally. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, my last question has got to be about, you know, you mentioned Ladakh. Would that be your favorite travel destination ever? Or is there another place that you'd like to share with there us and why? plenty, but I would say Ladakh in India is more so because of how humbling a place it is, how extreme the climate is, how extreme the terrain is, and it has just the most beautiful people. I mean, not that the rest of India isn't beautiful. I think we are blessed with the beautiful people of India, but Ladakhis per se, I've never seen humility like that in this country. And that's why it's been my favorite. And when you're there, what do you most prefer doing when you're off the bike? <laughs> you know, it, it's one place that really sort of levels you. It gives me time to really think. You really feel that you are insignificant on this planet. I mean, either you contribute, you do something good for it. Otherwise, you're irrelevant. I mean, literally. And that's what that city or that country or that part of the world always seems to do to me. Whether I'm on a bike or off the bike. I mean, you realize how insignificant we are as a people. Well said. ArjunKhanna.com. ArjunKhanna.com online. ArjunKhanna official on Instagram. And there above, Kalagoda Cafe in Fort. Please go and give the brand a lot of love. Thank Wonderful. You, this is great. Great really fun. Fantastic, Cheers. Man.